Hello, my friends. This is life coach Mike Chargman, and welcome to an episode of Mike's Search for Meaning. I'm after some big questions. Why are we here? What makes a fulfilling life? How can we grow individually and collectively? Each episode, I'll dive deep with leaders who are doing great work in the world and see how they organize their life. Books read, value systems, resources used, and stories that show how each of you can create the life and the world of your dreams. My guest today is the prolific and dynamic Danny Miranda. Danny is active across several social media platforms, but most notably, he's very active with his podcast, which is called the Danny Miranda Podcast. I will link to that in the show notes. I will also link to his YouTube channel, his Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And additionally, I always donate to and raise awareness for the charity or organization of my guest choice. And Danny has selected Nassau Suffolk Services for Autism. So please join me in donating. This is also linked in the show notes. Danny has always known that he was a little bit different from the rest of the crowd. And this resonates a lot with me. While when I was younger, I didn't have the language for it. I always had this felt sense that I wasn't like the rest of the herd. And yet, I had this really deep desire to fit in with the herd. And Danny explains a little bit about how that was true for him and how he also, from a really young age, created a Little League blog and interviewed Knicks players. So he always marched to the beat of his own drum. And yet, despite all this, kind of drifted in his early 20s on a more conventional path and eventually course-corrected namely with starting his own podcast in around 2020. So why did I invite Danny to be on this show? There's lots of reasons, and you'll see that this is a very wide-ranging conversation, but perhaps the thing I admire most about Danny is this dance he does around different polarities. One example of this is how he balances being really ambitious and shooting for the moon, hoping that he gets millions of downloads with his podcast, while also being in a place of deep self-acceptance and gratitude and self-love. Danny has had a practice of telling himself, I love you to himself in a mirror. And I do something similar with myself. And while I haven't achieved the level of success that Danny has with his podcast, I find it really heartwarming to know that even when Danny started and was getting zero downloads on his podcast, he knew that he was creating something special. And I think there's something really powerful in knowing that you're a success regardless of the outcome. Danny also has this natural zest and connection to life force that I wanted to hitch a ride on. I wanted to understand how did you develop such an appetite for loving life? And as he says, making the most of this floating rock in space. So we talk a little bit about practices that he has, practices that I have. And Danny, as a really gifted interviewer and curious person, turns the tables on me several times throughout this conversation. So I feel like this is one of my more interactive and dynamic conversations. You're going to get a lot out of this. And you should absolutely check out Danny on all the social media platforms. He's such a prolific, life-changing creator. So with all that said, let's settle in, take a deep breath, And buckle up for this wide-ranging conversation with Danny Miranda. All right, Danny Miranda, welcome to the show. It is an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me, man. 
it is a pleasure to have you on, man. And I, I don't know what version of yourself you would say I'm talking to right now. I don't know if it's Danny 2.0, Danny 3.0. And you said that you listened to my conversation with Kat. So I, I know that you, you probably know that I start at the 1.0 version of a lot of my guests. You will be no different, my friend. So I want to get to know a little bit about Danny 1.0. And let's just start with the, the same question I ask almost every guest. What was it like at your dinner table when you were growing up? I was thinking about this yesterday when I was listening to you and Kat. And for me, it was a lot of questions. It was a lot of, I was, from doing the podcast, I've come to realize like the childhood and the upbringing that I had wasn't the way most people have or what most people operate under. There's a lot of love at my dinner table. It was a lot of questions about how people are doing, you know, about the things that were going on. I mean, I, I specifically remember my grandpa giving me different prompts and different questions about life and just random stuff like that, that would inform a lot of the questions that I would ask later on during the podcast. So I think that for me, it, my dinner table, it was a lot of questions and it was a lot of curiosity I was surrounded by. Hmm. Do you have a specific memory that comes to mind or a, a question that you either asked or were on the receiving end of that? Because I know how great a gift, like real sincere curiosity can be. And I, I just, I'm wondering if there's a dinner table memory that you have where that curiosity still stands with you in this moment right now. You know, I don't, but I do remember my friends often coming over and being surprised when my grandpa would direct the curiosity towards my friends. And I remember him just, he, he was interested in, you know, macro issues and maybe Supreme court cases and stuff like that. And so when he would ask my friends stuff like that, they'd always be like, Oh, this is different. Oh, I've never really experienced something like this. And yeah, it makes sense, right. That the podcast is what it is with questions and so focused on the curiosity of it. And I'm sure you resonate with parts of that too, because it's like curiosity is such a gift, man. Mm -hmm. And I was given that by both my parents at such a young age too. Like, like with my dad, it was like about little league with my mom, it was school, but like it, they were just so curious about my brother and me. And, and so I'm forever grateful for that. Mm -hmm. Did you, did you feel any pressure to be a certain type of way, whether that was self-imposed or from your parents or societally, there's, there's so many different ways that we can be conditioned. And I know that you didn't just go to Binghamton, our shared alma mater and say, oh, I'm going to be a podcaster as soon as I get out of college. You, you got knocked off course at, at least a couple of times along the way. And I'm, I'm wondering what, uh, yeah, what led to that for you? For me, it was just the desire to be a normal kid mm. and the desire to want to appease the system that I grew up in and appease my parents. And because I have such love and admiration for them, I was like, well, I'm going to, I guess I'll go to school. I'll go to college. I'll, and there was a part of me that enjoyed playing that game a little bit as well. But deep down, if you had asked me, I knew that that wasn't where I was supposed to be or what I was supposed to do. And so, yeah, I mean, I kept going back to that and I, I got knocked off course of what my truth was because I love my parents and I didn't want to upset them. Mm. And so 
that that's kind of where, where it went for me wrong. <laughs> in, in what ways, because I, I really, I have a felt sense that my desire to be normal was very similar, that I, I felt different then. And in a lot of ways, I... I'm oversimplifying my youth a little bit here, but I remember, let's just say my teen years as I got towards high school, in some ways I really became more of myself. And in other ways, I lost a lot of my sense of self because I wanted to be popular and I wanted to fit in. And, And normal is another way of describing that. I didn't really get more in touch with the parts of me that I didn't feel were normal until maybe my mid 20s. So in in what ways did you feel not normal. I felt not normal in that I was the only 12 year old kid I knew who was creating a little league baseball blog and writing about the team. I felt not normal in that I was the only 13 year old who was writing a time management blog, the only 15 year old interviewing Knicks players. Like I knew there was something inside of me that was different that could communicate with people using the internet and my parents never told me I shouldn't do that. They were supporting me in that I should do that. But it was almost like that's a cute thing on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the real value is from going to college and getting an education. And and so I, I felt I wasn't normal. And the, the things that I was doing, the things that I were creating, I didn't see anyone my age also doing those things. So as for you, you to- what, what was it for you? Hmm. Ooh, there's a lot in it. So what, one thing that I've explored a lot for me is just my my masculinity. And so mm. in some ways, I was a very stereotypical guy. I was, I was very good at sports, very heady and intellectual. And so I kind of checked a lot of the boxes of, of what it meant to be the like, air quotes, traditional successful male. And I started to try and over index on those things. And the ways that I didn't feel normal was I just always felt that I had this tender, gentle, sweet heart. Wow. And uh, I didn't really, I never felt like I had any place to go with that except with, with women. Wow. So amongst my peers with friends and in Binghamton, even though I'm sure my friends wouldn't have chewed me up and spit me out. I just didn't personally feel that sense of safety. And I saw the the other most celebrated types of men or guys were the ones who were really smooth with women, who were charming, confident, outgoing. And I, in a lot of ways, I was the opposite of those things. I was awkward. I was shy. It was reserved. And that I think that lends for good interviewing skills because I, I get just ask questions and I, I don't need to be the center of attention as much. And I've always been a really curious person, but I just always felt like those things were the, the gentle, sweet, kind parts of me were things that maybe were considered positive traits, but that I wanted to tuck away because I saw that the most revered types of guys were, were more the opposite of that. Yeah, that, that's a really cool insight. And I think it speaks to, I think this makes, this falls in line with the internet as well, where it's like, there are more, there are more data points of what is quote unquote cool, mm-hmm. where when I grew up, it was like, 
what you described as the only way to be cool. Mm. But today there's hundreds, thousands of different ways someone could be considered cool. And that's really just because of the internet. If you think about the world prior to the internet, it was like you had one image of media, one image of what was the cool way to be. And, and it, the internet has allowed more expressions of cool and allowed people to be more themselves because there's been more ways to operate in the world. So that's awesome, man. Yeah. And I, I feel the same way. And in a lot of ways, I'm sure this is somewhat the case for you too, the impetus to start the podcast was because I started to find all the different ways that I was cool one way through, through podcasts and hearing other people who had the same struggles as me, the same finding themselves. Yeah. Not feeling like they belonged at any point in their life until a certain later stage. It's such a gift. The, the long form conversations and really getting to understand the totality of you can never do that even in two hours or sometimes Tim Ferriss goes even beyond three, but podcasts have really helped me feel more of a sense of connectedness with there's other people out there like me. There isn't only one way to be, which is what you're speaking to right now. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people believe that I, I, who am I to start a podcast or who am I to create content or who am I to put my perspective out into the world? But I think thinking like that inherently dismisses the importance of being human and the importance of one's own perspective. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you might not agree with your own perspective five years from now, but that doesn't make the thing that you believe today any less true in this moment. Mm-hmm. So. It's definitely something I want to dance on with you. It's you seem to hold polarities really well. Like maybe one example would be that you can set out to do the podcast with every intention on being the best and also being okay with just sucking and falling on your face. And I, I want to get into that with you at some point, but I also, I think a lot of people get into personal development from a place of pain or mm-hmm. from like, really, things are not working in my life. And, and one of the ways that we can feel not alone is by really hearing the totality of other people's stories. So mm-hmm. I know that, among maybe other things that you, you've named before, in other conversations, I've listened to you have that you have an addictive personality, or at least you have had historically, an addictive personality that seemed to spill into your consumption of alcohol and into gambling. So I'm, I'm wondering if those were factors in what brought you into personal development and maybe what other pain were you experiencing in your life that brought you into this space? So interestingly enough, what got me into personal development wasn't any of that, wasn't the alcohol, because I remember being like 13 years old and reading the game by Neil Strauss. So it was like, I've clearly just always inside of me, I've always had a desire to figure out how we can make the most out of this time on the floating rock in space. That's what really pulls me into it. It's not like I suck. I'm bad. I'm, I'm drinking too much, too much gambling. Therefore I want to improve. It's more so from a place of like, yo, we are existing. How do you make the most out of this existence? <laughs> right? Like it's pretty remarkable. And so that's where it all stems from. And that's where it all, all comes from initially. The pains along the way have just been the pains of 
of drinking too much, of going too far down the the gambling rabbit hole. If, if that those are were moments and times when I've stopped consuming personal development stuff, when I've stopped thinking about how I can make the most out of this floating rock in space. And so, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing, like the highs and the lows of the journey. But I think, yeah, I'll leave it there for now. It's an interesting insight. I don't, I don't know if I've ever heard it put exactly that way, that in, in some ways it was innate in you, the desire to understand yourself and understand how you could be the best version of yourself. And there were some pit stops along the way, but there, was, there wasn't this kind of screeching halt of like, what the fuck am I doing? And what, what is my existence? It was rather times you got a little bit, you drifted or got a little bit lost and you just had to course correct. But nonetheless, I, I know that 2019 or so was a, a very big turning point for you. And, and I would love to place us in, in that period of time. So where were you in, in 2019 where you started to do things like 75 hard and, and really it seems like made the commitment to be the best version of yourself in, in a way that you'll probably never look back? Yeah, I mean, it was, I was in San Diego for a physical location and where was I mentally? I mean, I had a, I had a great job that I was really excited about that. It, it excited me every day to, to be financially free, be able to do it anywhere, but it didn't excite me because I was like, this isn't fulfilling at all. I've solved my money problem, but now I'm not fulfilled at all. And I don't know what to do about it. And so that went on for about three months and of just feeling that and being upset at that. And then being like, I can't do this any longer. Like this is leading to a life that I do not enjoy. And even though I thought it would, it's not. And so how do I solve that problem? How do I get to a better place? And so for me, the first most obvious step was quitting the job. The second was a week after quitting, I, I did 75 hard for the first time. And, and also around that exact same time, I started to meditate every day. And those habits and those routines like are the bedrock for everything I've created thus far with the podcast. And it's so it was September of 2019 that I started 75 hard and meditating. And then it was September 2020 when I started the podcast. And there, the timing on that is not a coincidence. It's just like it's because I'd placed enough of the bricks to build the base that I could then do some podcasts and and reach out to people and have confidence because I knew it was coming from a place of like, no, this is really what I want to be doing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that's the start of it all. So very quickly, what is 75 hard for, for the listeners who haven't, I know you've spoken about it many times, but what is it? So it's a 75 day program where for 75 days straight, you read 10 pages of a nonfiction book. You do two workouts. One of them has to be outside, both 45 minutes. You drink a gallon of water. You take a progress picture, which is actually the hardest part of the entire challenge because it's the easiest to forget. And you follow a diet of your choosing. And so it's just five of these things. It's by this guy named Andy Frisella, who I'll be fortunate enough to interview next month in April, which I'm super excited about. And yeah, that that's the... That's the whole program in a nutshell. It sounds simple, but uh, it can get challenging. And it, I've tried it and 
failed many times. I've I've done it successfully three times. Like it's a whole, it's a fascinating thing. Mm. Is accountability built into that program? I know that that's maybe one of the pillars that you lean on in personal development. And one of your core tenets is have other people who are holding you to your highest vision, not just you. And I want to, I want to explore even deeper into, because I, I know so many people who say, I want to be the best version of myself, but aren't really living and breathing it in the way that you are. So I want to, I want to dig a little bit into it, but let's just start with accountability. Was that something that you was built into the program? Is that something that you just kind of knew yourself? Like I need someone to hold me to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not something that's built in the program and it's something that I, I built in myself because I knew it was so important to me to complete this the first time that I did it. And so the first night that I stumbled across it, I said to my friend, my, my roommate, I was like, yo, let's do this. And then I also texted my, my friend who had, and another friend who ended up being the first episode of the podcast a year later, I was like, yo, let's text each other at the end of every one of these days. Mm. And he was down to do it as well. And so both of those pieces, one of my friends dropped off another one. My friends did it all the way through, but it was like having both of those in the beginning was like, I don't want to let these people down. So I'm going to really give this program everything I have. Mm-hmm. So what, like, I want to take a, a hypothetical person, like someone, someone's listening to this and that's already a good step, right? You're, you're, if you're listening to a podcast in personal developments, then you're, there's ostensibly a desire to get better, to be better. I don't want to say get better, but to, to be a, the best version of yourself in some way or another. Mm. I speak to a lot of people who say something along the lines of like, how do you stick to it how do you why do you eat healthy all the time don't you want to just live a little bit or i don't know there's a lot of things to to that effect of i just don't understand how you're so disciplined where the willpower comes from and i honestly i don't have an amazing answer other than i just i know how good it feels to follow through on it Mm. and i know how crappy i feel when i don't at least at this point in time it, it is kind of that simple so I, I'm wondering how you look at it, especially in the early stages. Like what were some ways that you were able, able to stack those early wins? For me, it was it was having so many of them, like mm. and and building the base prior to even doing 75 hard. For example, I've been reading prior, just not consistently. I'd been working out prior, but not consistently. Mm. And so because of doing all those things. I had already a good baseline for actually doing them consistently. It wasn't, it was a lot of new things, but it was also like, it was a lot of new things that were consistently new to me, meaning that I wasn't consistent in doing all those things daily, but I had already had a base of doing them. So that was a very helpful piece of it. Um, And, and another is like, I knew the pain of Mm -hmm. what I was just in. And I was like, what I was just in is not a place that I want to go back to. And me doing these actions every day, the meditation, the 75 hard program, that's like a vote for myself of putting myself in the position of never going back to that place. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I thought about it. And that's kind of why they stuck for me. 
at least in that season of my life. Mm-hmm. So what would what would you say? So September 2019, you started. September of 2020, it's already wheels are turning around creating a podcast. How would you say that you most transformed? It doesn't have to be in any sort of massive way, but in, internally, how would you say you transformed in that first year? I would say that for 24 years of my life, I had only looked outward. What do my parents want? What do what does society want? What does everything around me want? And for that year, from 24 to 25, or from 2019 to 2020 and beyond, it's like, what do I want? What's important to me? If I were to look inward and remove all the layers of what everything around me says I should want, what's still there? Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest difference. And that's what I try to get across to people on the podcast in my own way. Mm-hmm. And and so meditation is is definitely one of the ways. I know that you kept a mentality folder. I don't know if you still do that. Were there other ways that you were able to look inward and get a clear sense of who am I? What do I want? Not what does society want? Yeah, like how can I be the best version of myself? Things like that. Yeah, for me, it was 20 minutes of meditation in the morning. And then it was 20 minutes in the evening. I added a little bit later and then it was 60 minutes in the in the morning and then but in addition it was long walks often without my phone without listening to anything it was doing yoga yoga was one of the best ways to go inward that i found because it stressed my body and mind mm-hmm. and it really kept me or it made me think about the world in a, and de-stress my body in a way that i hadn't ever experienced before so th- those were a few big ones. And then reading like a new earth by Eckhart Tolle. I was actually just listening to that to go to bed last night. Um, the surrender experiment by Michael Singer, reading books like that while going inward, while looking at myself really helped understand what I was actually doing and what was, was going on consciously. Mm. So one, one of the things I admire most about you, Danny, is the level of depth that you go into preparation wise when you're interviewing other people the level of research that you do and and the curiosity that you bring and i also know that that gift can be directed inwards as well and so for me one of the ways that might show up is around i have journaling practices one of them is self coaching where i just hold the space for myself like i will write whatever's on my mind and then the maybe the capital m mic or the capital s self in me just hold space for me. I'm wondering if you, do you have any sort of journaling practices or, or ways that you bring that curiosity, the the rich, deep questions to yourself and, and what does it look like for you? Yeah. So I like to say that you can only connect with yourself or with other people to the extent that you've connected with yourself first. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's just, it's just, there are no specific practice in place other than the meditation the meditation is like the thing because i don't know what's going to come up and i i can ask myself questions based on the scenario but i mean i just started doing case kenny's one of his journals i don't know which one exactly but i really like the questions he was asking at the end of each day i used to write uh plus two to minus two which is something i got from jim collins on the tim ferry show about like just ranking the day and like writing some thoughts about it. But 
Yeah, no, I, I don't coach myself in that way. And I'd be curious to hear like what practices you have or, or what questions you ask yourself to, mm. to help you. Well, I think that I've a lot of what I am attempting to create or manifest in my life is around this sense of fairness, equality, belonging, love, compassion, and mm. connection. I'd say connection and, and courage maybe too. So I would say connection, courage, and compassion underlie a lot of the different things that I am bringing into my life, whether it's in my personal relationships, this podcast, my friendships, anything at all. And so a lot of the space that I hold for myself, if there's something that I could feel myself really yearning for or wanting or like a result that I want to create, I'll just give myself the space to in a very unenlightened way or just write about that. Yeah. And the coach in me can say really basic questions like, why is that important to you? Or what would be the best part about having that outcome? And it's it sounds so simple because in a lot of ways it is. But what's underneath a lot of the things is just, oh, that would be I would have lots of connection. And so it leads me to an appreciation or gratitude practice a lot of times too is like, well, what are some ways that you can honor the connection that you have right now? Not like when you have 50,000 or hundred thousand downloads on your podcast, like what are some ways that you are really living into what matters to you right now? And it's a beautiful practice because a lot of times I can, I'll immediately think of one or two things that I'm grateful for ways that I connected in the past day and appreciation, as you know, begets more appreciation. So then uh, the list goes from one or two to maybe eight, nine or 10. And uh, when I put the journal down, sometimes I'm going for that walk outside that you were speaking to with no phone. And I'm like, oh, that, you know, that thing happened yesterday too. That was awesome. I, like, I totally forgot about that. And so it's, it's this beautiful practice of just slowing down. For me, that's a, that's a big thing. Patience and slowing down enough to just appreciate the way that I'm already successfully living into a lot of the things that matter to me right now, because most of my own suffering just comes from, I don't know, creating some sort of lack or scarcity in my life that, yeah, like, I'll have even more connection if my podcasts were bigger or if I was working full time in a career that I loved. Cause right now I work 50, 50 coaching, podcasting and in accounting. So anyway, the, I think those are, those are the, a lot of the ways that I hold space for myself is like the, the wise one in me is like, you've got, you've got a great life right now, Mike, let's just honor all the ways that your life is great. And it's okay to want all those other things too, but that comes, that's out of your control. What's in your control? Yeah. I mean, what pops out to me based on what you said is the understanding that the present moment is the way it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that's, yes. that's what comes out is like, you know, you could have desires for the way in which life will, you want it to go, but also like honoring the experience you currently are going through. I, I'm curious for you. I mean, I know you mentioned in the the cat conversation, like how you still feel like you have some blocks. And I know that conversation was probably recorded, you know, months ago. But what what are those blocks that you were talking about in that conversation? And and what what are the steps to get to, I guess, a more cleared place look like for you? Hmm. Well, one of the blocks that immediately comes up for me would be, say, if 
one of my friends from it's it's usually around people who knew Michael 1.0 <laughs> asking me how's the podcast going how's coaching going and and there's a when I'm by myself I'm usually at peace and at ease with how amazing I'm doing and the work that I'm putting out and and who I am being in my life yeah but there's also when I'm out in the world a lot of times it brings up different triggers for me and and one of them is like I want to look traditionally successful so I want my friends to think I'm amazing or something like that yeah or or my parents or and anyone in my life I I just want them to say you are crushing it <laughs> and what that usually so how do I rectify that or hold space for that a lot of my inner work is honoring that I have that desire like to have a TED talk let's say Mm-hmm. I, I would love to actually do that at some point. And it it sound it might sound a little kooky, but in like when I'm coaching myself, I, I will hold space for like that thing that you want your parents to tell you. You are that, Mike. And so mm-hmm. the coach in me says, You you are amazing and you you are worthy of a TED talk. And sometimes I even picture myself in a large audience say interviewing you or interviewing any number of different people and getting a, a massive standing ovation at the end of it. And the, one of the really miraculous parts of the brain and with visualization, for example, is that it feels really real. I, I don't actually have to go through it to realize I am capable of experiencing the joy of my own appreciation for how amazing I'm doing without validation from all the other people in my life who, by the way, probably do think that I'm doing really great anyway, but that I, I just have this compulsion to say like, Oh, it's, it's, it's good, but <laughs> I, you know, I'm still just like kind of chugging along. That's one of the ways that it shows up for me. It also makes me think about how many little triggers we have throughout the day that we often mm-hmm. just tuck away. Yes. without the space for reflection it's like yeah it, it's it's hard to reconcile the amount of things that can upset us or that we just don't even think about well i i want to i and i appreciate your ability to do this by the way i i anticipated this would happen that you you asked really good questions and you could turn it around and i'm i'm game to play that way and i also would love to know what are maybe some of those triggers for you what are some ways that you might feel poked or that you're you know, out of alignment for a, a moment and how do you bring yourself back to center? Yeah. So this is something that I'm currently trying to work through, but one thing that comes to mind immediately is just my relationship with my dad and being able to, he, he has this image of how he wants me to operate in the world and it's kind of gone against my image of what I want to present. And so I really want to come to terms and, and like connect with my dad again, because we really haven't spoken too much in the past few months. And I know that that that's a real block for me is like initiating, coming in with empathy, coming in with kindness. And it, it was easiest for me. And we were closest when I was meditating long periods of time you know so the the relationship with my dad is probably just a reflection of my own inner work or lack of it in the past three months 
Well, I appreciate you sharing that. So if, if you're open to it, if you're game, then I would love to zoom in even a little bit closer on that. What is, what is the, and I know that this is just your internal thoughts about it, but what are the expectations that you believe that your father has about you versus the way that you are showing up as, as it currently stands on March 21st, 2023? <laughs> I believe that, I believe he expects me to, I, I don't know. I don't know is the correct answer because I haven't spoke to him in a long time and not, I haven't spoke to him deeply in a long time, in three months. And that is, you know, it's been a, an interesting three months. Like a lot has happened that for, to help support the, the world that I, I'm creating. So I don't know where he stands, honestly. Where, where do you fear that he stands? I mean, I think what frustrates me the most is just the lack of curiosity about the things I'm doing or the pushing away of, no, this can't be real. No, this can't be a reality. And the inconsistency between what he seems in the past, what he seemed to tell other people and what he's told me. And so to other people, he'll support what I'm doing, but to me, he'll say it's, it's not good. So that to me is a, a difficult thing to navigate through and, and, and hurts me deeply. Mm -hmm. And if, if at all, what are some ways that you can champion yourself or, or show up for yourself in, in the past three months? What have, what have been some ways that you're able to be with that? Cause I, I know the pain of wanting to be maybe call it impressive or to have recognition. That's, that's what I was really speaking to in a lot of ways, whether it's from friends or my parents and even in small moments for me, man, like I, it really resonates with me, but even if my dad tells me how amazing I'm doing, which has happened many times. If there's just one conversation where I don't feel that curiosity, I'm like, fuck, man, I just like, I want, I want to be more acknowledged. And so I, I'm, I'm with you and I, it can be really charged. So it, in moments like this, where it's not even just one moment, but three months, how do you show up for yourself? Oh, I mean, it's the, it feels the best when it's, when I'm not speaking to him. Because it's the negative voice that you have to explain yourself to, that I feel I have to explain myself to time and time again without actually getting anywhere, just the same story over and over. So, I mean, that's that's kind of like shutting it down completely has been very helpful for me personally in, in watching it grow, like watching myself grow. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I really appreciate you candidly and openly sharing about that. And I'll take you a little bit off the hot seat for now. I, I wanted to talk to you about your podcast because in a lot of ways, I, I look up to what you're doing and you started ahead of, of when I started and you're you're doing really amazing work. And, and not just because of the outward metrics, but really because I see that from day one, there's a level of dedication that you took yourself as a, a very serious professional. So the podcast, it from my understanding, it, it started because you wanted to share amazing phone conversations that you had with strangers. And I, I would love to hear 
what maybe was an example of a, a phone conversation that you would have with strangers that, that gave you that impetus? It was, it was just the learnings were, were the biggest part. I was learning about how different people were dealing with COVID and how they were dealing with lockdowns. And I was, I was just really like, this is amazing, right? The internet has brought us together in this moment and I I'm learning. I'm, I'm, my knowledge is greater because of having this conversation. And I felt such joy after having them that I said, I need to find a, or figure out a way to continue doing this because this is just, this is just incredible. So that was it for me. That was the, the start of the podcast. And, and that, that really, it, it was just the feeling afterwards of like so much energy and so much excitement and seeing how, you know, my questions and their energy had come together in that moment. And then that happening over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. So that, that was the start of it. Yeah, man. That when someone says something along the lines of that was such a good question, it, it feels like a crack hit to me or something, you know? <laughs> totally. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, man. I love that. Yeah. And it, it's interesting, you know, for me, one of the early felt senses of joy of, wow, I just did that thing was taking public speaking classes. So mm. in a, in a different way, it was almost like I was having these phone conversations with strangers because in my public speaking classes, I took these people that I had never met before that I knew nothing about from random walks of life, various ages, ethnicities, backgrounds, were just sharing so openly in front of say 15 people about things that they had been through. And they, it gave me the courage to start doing the same thing. I, I really signed up because I was so scared and, and needed the practice and presenting at work at my corporate accounting job. But the maybe the unintended great life gift that I got from that was I started to feel comfortable being seen truly as me in front of other people. And that's, that's what it sounds like to me was happening when you're having these phone conversations with strangers. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was just the, the vulnerability of it being people sharing and just, just the connection. That's really what it was. The connection of it. How did you connect with these people? Like it, it seems, I said something like this to Kat when we had our conversation too, but it seems like when, you have the spark, you're able to turn it into a flame pretty quickly. Like you just, you just go for it. The idea doesn't really linger in purgatory for a year. It's like, yeah. oh, I'm having great conversations. Like, what if I made this podcast and you just kind of did it? Yeah. <laughs> well, that goes back to the piece of like, you know, I didn't, I, I just do stuff like <laughs> because it's it's fun and because it feels right and because I trust the moment and because I trust myself and I've seen what has happened when I've just done stuff and so the more you see that in the past the more you're like the more you trust you build for yourself mm -hmm. if you're 15 years old and you're you start a Knicks blog in June and then by September you're interviewing NBA players you're going to have a lot of trust with yourself and you're going to know that deep within you, you can create massive change very quickly if you take very quick action. And so that when I get that feeling, I go and I, I, I don't something else takes over in that moment. And so, for example, like 
an, an example of this quote unquote not working would be I wrote this thread on when I went to a cabin in the woods and I used Airbnb to do that. And and I was a silent retreat. And then what happened was the Airbnb founder shared that tweet. And something inside of me was like, oh, I need to activate. I I need to just use some of the people. I I need to tap some of the people that I've spoken to for the podcast and get them to help support this message. Mm. And like, that was just within me. I was just like, I need to, I was called to act. And so I did, I, I reached out to a bunch of people who had been on the podcast with, you know, influential and I had them share it, comment on, on everything. It didn't end up working out. Joe Gebbia is not on the podcast and doesn't have any plans to, but I just had that feeling of like something inside me was like, go. And I got that feeling when I started the podcast. I got that feeling when I wrote that thread and then had people share it. But like, it's it's not about it working or not. It's just like, this could be a cool moment and like, let's make it a reality sort of thing. It, it does just feel really good to do, to put it out into the universe is the way that I put it. That, like, for example, <laughs> what this is bringing up for me is, I, I would say it was probably two months ago, I had, I do Wim Hof breathing every single day. And I, after a really powerful session where, you know, in the morning, a lot of times I wake up, my mind is racing all over the place. I don't feel very grounded or settled. I do Wim Hof breathing. And then I feel like existence is incredible. I, Wim Hof is probably not checking his Instagram DMs, but I, I left him this like six minute voice note about how much I appreciated the way that he makes all this content available and and he's shared very openly about his past depression and his life story. And it just, I asked him to be on the podcast is maybe the punchline at the very end. I said, I have a podcast. I, I have zero expectation that you are ever going to listen to this voice note. And if you do, you have a very open invitation to join me on my show. There's something because result aside, he's, I mean, Spoiler alert, he has not answered or read that DM. It it does build that internal win of, yeah, I am the type of person that when I feel inspired to take action, I take action. I yes. go and leave the voice note for someone. And in other ways, the result does come. Like I left the voice note. I said, I have no expectation that you'll ever see this or listen to it. And then uh, two days later, they say, hey, that was I was really touched by that. Would love to be on your show. So I know for me, that took a long time to build that confidence. And, and this is maybe, this is one of the things I said earlier in the conversation I wanted to put the pin in. So how do you hold that for yourself? The ability to say, it doesn't matter if I quote unquote fail, or if I make a mistake, fall on my face, or if I suck at it, whatever other different fears that a lot of people have. Is that is that even something that you contend with in any way? Like, do you have any fear of failure? or anything like that? It's very little. It's very little negative voice. And it comes from, I'm doing my own thing. It's not about your perception of me or my father's perception of me, or it's it's really not. Like it's about my own perception of self. And you get that when you start to put yourself in a high regard, it's, that's that's the result of that. When I thought less of myself, I was more worried about, oh, should I go to college? Should I not? You know, and I think in a lot of ways, this is like a, even a bigger conversation, like society almost 
programs us to think less of ourselves so that we can buy things that we don't need. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's hard to remove yourself from that when you're in it. But I think how I've got into that place is one having, you know, parents that for love me and then grandparents who love me. And then also just like spending a lot of time with myself and, and really like, and also like doing things that I said I was going to do and then watching the results of those, which increases my own perception of self. So yeah, I mean, it's been a lot of different things have gone into that, but it is, I think the most important thing because you can't be living under the fear of taking action. It's like, it's like, imagine if you had fear around like drinking water or like taking a sip, it's like, you could be like, well, the plastic could kill you and all this It's like, <laughs> or you could just take the sip of water. And I think there's like some part of our society that is, is fearful and like some part of ourselves that are fearful. And I think it's like acknowledging it. Like today, for example, I've been reading a lot over the past three days about the banking system collapsing. Thanks to my friend, Balaji Sirvasan, not my friend, but just feels like my friend because I've been consuming so much of his content. And so my roommate was like, yo, let's do a breathwork session. We did a breathwork session and I'm like, I feel so much better. I'm coming from this place now of taking actions from a way different place. So I guess like one place, one thing to think about maybe is like breathwork, right? Like how do you feel after Wim Hof versus before in terms of fear alone? Like it's two different people for me at least. And so, yeah, so that, that's a, I guess that's a helpful way to think about when feel, when feeling fear do breathwork. (laughs) Yeah. That, that is definitely one way to look at it. And, and I think another that you're speaking to here is that when when you can have an actual internal felt sense of it's more, it's riskier for me to not do the thing that I want to do than it is for me to stay where I am. You're mm-hmm. in a pretty good spot. Like it, mm-hmm. it actually feels better. I know from enough internal repetitions or doing this thing enough that on the other side of this, I will feel good versus if I don't do it, which has happened to me and, and still does to, to a certain extent, very frequently, the, uh, the, the felt sense of man, like I had that inspiration for, for a few moments and I didn't do anything about it. And, and the way I feel in a way that's like, I think that guilt and regret are signposts that show us that we don't want to repeat that action again. And, and so I don't, I don't bastardize those emotions anymore because they actually are signposting us towards that was painful. We don't want to do that again. And, and one of the ways that shows up is like what you're saying. If we take repeated committed action in a direction that feels aligned to us, we feel really good. And if we don't, then we're going to regret it. A 1000%. And yeah, I, I think so much of what I've done over the past two and a half years is just getting better at taking thoughts from my mind and bring them to reality. Mm-hmm. And that is such a, a powerful skill to have. And you get better at that by becoming a better speaker, by becoming a better writer, by actually doing the things you think about. And it, it's worth like keeping a notebook or like keeping like a, a writing. It was like, when was the last time I thought of something and didn't act on it? When was the last time I, I thought about something and acted on it? And trusting that intuition more and more. 
is to me what I find the game of life all about. I forget the way that you or what you call it exactly, but in my first time working with a life coach, I created a life book. And mm. what, what a life book is, is I picked several different domains of my life. So we'll call it spousal relationship, my health, fitness, my spiritual life, my work life, and created the ideal vision for what all of those look like. Mm. And I think at in some point in your life, you, in the last three years, like you created some version of that. And the, the reason I'm asking this right now is because I think that in my estimation, if you are able to work at an identity level of like, I am the type of person that does X. And one of the ways to create that is through say a life book, then you can start actually acting as if, even if you don't have the, whatever excuse you might make that I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I don't have the connections. Like I've made all those excuses a million times before. So I'm wondering if it wasn't a life book, what was, what were some ways that you were able to take on the identity of I'm the type of person that does X? Yeah. So for me, what was really helpful was realizing that there was no difference between Joe Rogan and myself. If I, if we were both creating the podcast, right? Like, and before that, it was like writing. So in March of 2020, I wanted to start a blog and I did, I started writing. And I was like, the only difference between me and James Clear is like, he's writing and I'm not. And so if I want to be a writer, I need to write. So if I want to be a podcaster, I need to podcast. It sounds so simple, but like how many people are acting on that knowledge, right? And I did want to be a podcaster, but I wasn't podcasting. So I could change that very easily by publishing podcasts. And obviously at first, they're not going to be amazing and they're not going to be at the quality. It's not about that. It's about moving forward. And so that thought, that idea really helped me do the thing because doing the thing is actually where all the gold lies. And I, yeah, that, that was huge for me. And, and the life book that you're referring to, I think potentially is my mentality folder. It's not mine. It's from my friend Tej Dosa, which was super helpful in just giving me a vision to review every day. And giving me something that I could be like, this is the type of person I want to be. These are the actions I want to take. And I haven't been doing that in the last year or two, but I would love to get back to that. Like that was super helpful. I love that practice. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you have so many tools, so many practices, then you you lose some. And, but it's like, someone reminds you of a previous version of yourself that used that effectively. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I could use that again now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was super, super helpful to help me embody the person that I wanted to be. Both of those things. Yeah, it's it's like affirmations in a way, right? Just repeating the type of person that you that you want to be over and over and over again. And yeah. I know one of your efforts. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say another one that I've done over and over again is just writing down 10 or 20 times a day, whatever I'm trying to accomplish or achieve in that moment. Huh. Do you do you still write that you love yourself every day? I don't write I love myself every day. That feels like deep within me but I, I am writing like specific metrics for the podcast and making that a reality. Nice. Yeah. So what are, it, it's, it's probably just so ingrained at this point, but could you, could you speak a little bit about what, what your practice around loving yourself is? Absolutely. So I, this started from the book, love yourself, like your life depends on it by Kamal Ravikant. And I read this book when I was really at a dark place in my life, when I wasn't loving myself, when I wasn't feeling any connection, I was feeling a lot of fear. I was like, you know what? I'm at a dark place. Let me actually try these things. 
And it was cool to talk to Kamal Ravikant and now be friends with Kamal Ravikant when it's just like, you wrote the book that changed my life. What is going on here? So the practice is, I mean, how I ended up doing the practice is different than how he outlines the practice, but it's only from doing it that I figured out the way that I wanted to do it myself. For me, it was just, it was two different things that I found were really helpful. One was looking at myself in the mirror and for five minutes straight, just saying, I love myself over and over and over again. And then the other one was writing it down on pages and pages and pages of notes. I love myself. I love myself. Affirmations over and over and over again. I've pages and feels like books full of these. I love myself, but that was, you are, you become the things that you repeat to yourself. Mm-hmm. And so who would you be in after you drop something or did something wrong? If the narrative in your head was not, I suck, I'm the worst, but instead was, I love myself. It's all good. Mm-hmm. It would change the way you act and, and everything about your life. I guarantee it. Cause I know I was there. So Make that when I, when I made that the primary motivator or the background noise in my life, a lot changed and yeah, worth considering, I guess. Very worth considering. And one of my teachers and mentors, her name is, she's based in Berlin. Her name is Nadia Tarnchevsky. She right. says that every new belief begins as a lie at first. And so- <laughs> I love that. If it feels clunky, you're you're in the right spot in a lot of ways to say, if it feels weird to say I love myself, then Danny and I know how you feel. And <laughs> it doesn't make it not worthwhile. It's just something that takes a little bit to groove in, just like going to the gym and picking up weights. It usually takes a, some bit of time before you actually get the hang of it. But it seems foundational. I mean, if you were to ask me based on my... 75 or so podcasts that I have conducted and from the many that I've listened to the people that are balancing all the things that seem to matter the most to me. So it's like inner success, outer success, healthy relationships, like really living a fulfilled, purposeful, meaningful life. It actually always starts from a place of self-love. It's wild. How many times you, you notice that from, from talking to people, right? Like, it it starts from internal peace, internal wholeness, not always, but sometimes, many times. And yeah, it's a cool thing to note and witness over and over again. Yeah. And, and something else I'll say about this, because I know that you you think about it a lot. And if, if you have any commentary to add, then chime in, chime away. But I don't think self-love at all is, say, sleeping 24 hours a day and Mm. just watching TV and and munching on donuts and Cheetos and chips for your whole life. I actually think that that is in a way as insidious and and sneaky way of beating the shit out of yourself. And uh, a lot of the people that I know that really love themselves wholeheartedly are taking really committed action and bettering themselves and, and do this beautiful dance of weaving between I don't even think it's weaving between. I think that you can hold both to be true in any given moment of from a place of self-love, here is a way that I want to be a better person as well. I think this is, yeah, it's 100% accurate. Self-love does not mean that you're doing the the easiest thing you can in any given moment. Not at all. It It's instead doing the difficult thing that you will feel most fulfilled by. And yeah, it's like, 
it's very misunderstood. And the book, Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends on It by Kamal Ravikant highlights it really well in that, you know, he starts lifting weights again. He starts eating correctly for his own body when he started loving himself. And I mean, this is a guy who his, I believe one of his best friends committed suicide. His girlfriend broke up with me and he lost his job or a bunch of money in the same week. And this is the practice he used to get himself out of it. So it's just like, all right, for me, I was like, I'm dealing with some negative thoughts. Like this is not like if it worked for him, then it probably worked for me as well. So yeah, the, the idea that self-love is just doing the easiest thing for me has never resonated. It's instead doing the thing that maybe you don't even want to do that. You'll be like, Oh, I'm proud of you for doing that at the end of it. Mm. Do you think that comparison is actually a good thing? I don't know. I don't know if it's good or bad. I know it can be used effectively and I know it could be used detrimentally. Mm-hmm. And personally, I, I'm just of the camp of using it as beneficially as I can. Like we're in the world. I'm curious about the world and I see people doing stuff in the world. So looking at people and I'm like, all right, how, how does this relate to my skill set? How does this relate to the things that I know I can do? Um, so I've used it beneficially, but I've also seen and heard guests talk about how they see something on Instagram and all of a sudden they're like, why don't I have it? Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just the difference of how our lenses of the world work. But yeah, I mean, it can be beneficial. It can be detrimental. Mm. It's interesting. One one way I look at it actually, or, or something that I have come to understand more deeply recently is that the qualities that we're most drawn to in other people are qualities that we have in ourselves, whether they are active or dormant. And the things that we are most triggered or activated by in other people are also aspects of ourselves that call it shadows or repressed or hidden parts of ourselves. And so in that way, I don't think I've thought about this from the lens of comparison, but I find comparison in, in this lens to be really healthy in a way that you can take an honest inventory of who you are and what, what qualities that you admire about yourself and and what shadows that you have within you that you want to take a closer look at. So it is, it's a tricky dance, right? Doing comparison from that lens versus say comparison of beating the shit out of yourself because someone is further along or whatever other ways that we beat the shit out of ourselves. I I see it all the time. And I ask you because I've heard in the past, you speak to the way that you look at comparison and Comparison is another thing that gets bastardized pretty categorically from a lot of people. It's like, stop comparing yourself to the highlight reel of others. But I think it, there's a, there's a case to be made for healthy comparison of what do I, what do I admire about this person? Why do I look up to them? Why am I triggered? Why am I reacting to this person this way? I mean, I don't, I think people are lying to themselves if they're not comparing, mm-hmm. right? Like, <laughs> like you, you go to this college instead of that college. Like we inherently have to compare the two in order to make a decision. Mm-hmm. And it's like when people tell you stop comparing, what they're actually saying is stop being upset at the comparison that you've fought, you found basically like, okay, you're not, I'm talking to myself. You're not going to become a professional baseball player. So therefore don't compare yourself to professional baseball players. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a, 
Like we all compare ourselves all the time and we all compare the actions we do because otherwise how would we decide anything? Like, yeah. right? Like, I don't think it's it's fair to say stop comparing when we need to make judgments about the world and comparison is how we make those judgments, mm. right? Yeah, yeah. It, it also, I, I'm thinking now as these dots are connecting that from a place of self-love, if, you, if you're kind of, if you're telling yourself over and over again, I love myself, I love myself, where that belief becomes true. Yeah. From that place, comparison is really healthy versus if you're comparing from a place of, self-hatred or something maybe milder but from a place of lack in some way then that's where it's unhealthy so that's why i think self-love is is such a foundational component to a lot of the things that we do in our life yeah i mean it it goes back to the lens you look at the world through Mm -hmm. the lens you look at the world through is going to be how you navigate through it and how you like the same thing could happen versus someone who's looking at the world optimistically versus pessimistically and the optimist is going to look at breaking your arm as like a a positive way of of now learning more about themselves so so much comes back to the lens and if we can help people create better lenses like nothing's better from my perspective so you have a you have a really great energy about you and i'm sure you get this a lot of the time and i know it's something that you look closely at in terms of ways that you are managing your energy or or managing your states. And uh, one of your posts that you wrote about is 27 tactics to create high energy immediately. So I'm not expecting you to rattle off all 27 right now, but do you have a couple of ways that I, I, in, in some ways, I think energy is probably the most important resource for us to pay attention to. Yeah. So I'll give you a couple of big ones that have been useful for me recently that I probably may or may not have covered in my 27 reasons blog post many years ago. (laughs) First few that come to mind are sauna ice bath has been huge for me since being Austin. It's like a a rite of passage. You need to have sauna ice bath routine. Otherwise we don't allow you into Austin, Texas. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Very very quickly with that. When you you say that you mean like you alternate between doing sauna for X amount of time and then going to an ice bath. Yeah. Yeah, So sauna for 20 minutes, ice bath for three to five. If you do three rounds of that, you'll be sleeping phenomenally every night. But the crazy thing is it's not like a common thing that most gyms in New York had or most gyms anywhere have, but it's, it's getting to be like a, a common thing in Austin where just like, that's what you go to a gym and you can almost expect that. And it's my prediction that in 20 years, every gym will have something like that because it's just, it seems the way the world is being pushed and it's actually beneficial and it's actually, it makes you feel so good and me at least. So that's been a, a hugely beneficial energy practice, but also I learned not to do that before podcasts because it can make you feel like, like drained in a way, but mm-hmm. it's, it's you recovering. It's like you going through a hard workout. Mm-hmm. So that's one breath work is another that I mentioned before I have like this four or five minute breath work practice that I can share with you. And you can include in the show notes if you'd like, mm-hmm. so you could just search five minutes, energy breath work on YouTube and it's like four minutes and it's amazing. Like it just resets my mood anytime I do it. Another one, ener- energy management, like writing out my thoughts, like just 
go 750 words and just write your thoughts out. See what happens. You like set a timer, try to do it as as fast as possible, but get through the thoughts as best you're po- as best you can. Just watch what happens. See how you feel before versus after. All those clutter, all that that and that comes from Julia Cameron, the artist way. Mm-hmm. So that's super helpful. And then just having amazing conversations with amazing people. I definitely didn't write about this because I wasn't doing it at the time, but that's a an energy practice as well to help. You you talk to amazing people who are excited about what they're doing. How can you not, how can that not rub off on you in, in some way as well? Mm-hmm. Nutrition is another one. Do you, yes. do you have not a diet necessarily, but do you have specific go-tos that you, that you focus on with regard to nutrition? Yeah. So it's like, pretty much whole food. So it's like right now I'm in this big kick. There's a, like a no seed oil place. I don't know if the seed oil craze has gotten to you in, in New York, <laughs> but it's like, there's a no seed oil food truck. That's got chicken, pork, rice, veggies that I'm just like obsessed with right now. And so, yeah, I've been eating that a lot. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. But, but it's just like, for me, I have like one or two meals a day. Like I'm, I can just, yeah, it's, it's not, I don't overthink the diet. I just try to stay to foods that are, are real. Like that's kind of how I think about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe another thing or two that I'll point out that it's been true for me. And I, I believe I read in your one of 27 is just taking walks outside, getting good amount of sunlight. Yes. And and being unplugged from devices for any extent of time is just super, super helpful. It's something that I wish that I was more in touch with when I was young. And well, actually, now that I think of it, I, I kind of was in touch. I didn't have a cell phone when I was eight and I spent a lot of time outside. But man, my brain, I don't know how I operated from like college until I was 26. I was just stimulated all the time. Yeah. Like truly. So I think another one that I want to underline, triple underline, <laughs> is just take some time outside, be in nature, even if it's only five minutes without a phone, like start somewhere. It makes a huge impact. Yeah, I this past weekend, I spent unintentionally spent like six hours without my phone indoors, but just like talking deeply with my friends and roommates. And I was like, Oh my God, when was the last time I went six? Like I felt high towards the end of it, like the last two hours. And I was like, oh wow, this is so fascinating that not using the phone, connecting deeply with other people, like could have this effect. It's like, when was the last time you spent six hours while you were awake when you weren't looking at a phone consistently? It's like, I can't remember the last time I did that. And I do a podcast where it's an hour or two of me not looking at a phone. So I'm like, holy smokes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wild. It's potent. So I know we're, we're moving towards the, the back end of the conversation. I have a few more questions that I, I definitely want to ask you. Is there anything that we haven't spoken about so far today that you'd like to bring into the conversation now? Uh, no, no. I, I'm i enjoying it. I've had a good time. I don't, I don't know what time it is. <laughs> it's <sweet. laughs> We've got probably about a, a half hour left of time, but we'll we'll see how long we we go here. So one of the things I, I wanted to ask you, 
you one of your goals, I believe, with every podcast is for the interviewee to leave with maybe at least one thing that they learned about themselves. And, yes. and whether or not that actually happens every episode, that's who's to say, I guess. But I think it's a beautiful goal. And I haven't articulated it in quite that way. But it's one of the crack hits that I was speaking about before. Like, great question or huh, never thought about it that way. Yeah. So has there been anything so far in this conversation that that you've learned about yourself? Totally. I mean, I think the stuff around my dad is stuff that was under the surface that I haven't explored yet. And yeah, there there were moments when throughout this conversation where I was like, oh, this is this is cool that I can explain it this way. And I have to go back because I get lost in those moments. But I, I know it for sure happened. And that's only a testament to you. So thank you. <laughs> awesome. Well, I was I was fishing for a compliment. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for giving me one, Danny. I, I needed it. <laughs> no, I mean, the thing is, what you realize is like when you give someone a new perspective about themselves, it is the biggest, like you said, the biggest high you can ever imagine. And it's like the way I, I've started to understand it is like it's a it's the same as a stand-up comedian going up on stage and getting a bunch of laughs. Mm. And the reason is the same in that you're giving the audience a new perspective to look at the world when you're a stand-up comic and you're making people laugh. That's why the laughter is coming about because the perspective has now changed for the audience. They have a broader way of looking at the world. And so similarly for us, it is like, when you give that person a hit of a new perspective of their own life, oh man, oh man, like there's nothing better. Like that to me is the ultimate high, the ultimate win, the ultimate, like, because you're opening up the possibilities of, oh, I did this. And what's amazing is like, you do this in conversations now, like you, you can go about your day. And if you get, you know, 20 minutes with someone or, or an hour, like, I mean, I had a great conversation on Saturday of two of them where at the end of it, both people were like, holy shit, I learned something new about myself. And only one of those two people knew that I had a podcast. So it was just like, <laughs> this is this is what it's all about. And to me, that's why the questions are so powerful is because you're giving people new perspectives. And even if somebody has a billion dollars, they're still looking for new perspectives of themselves and, and the rest of the world. So perspective and is everything. Give people more perspectives. And yeah, that that's what I love about doing what we do so much is just it gives people a chance to learn more about themselves. Well said, my man. Yeah, I, I love that. What's an ordinary everyday moment that brings you great joy? So I I, I heard you ask this to Kat and I was thinking about this. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to say. This. <laughs> For me, a, a cup of coffee brings me a lot of joy. Just sitting there like, I was like, what would life be without coffee? Like, I didn't have any <laughs> coffee today. And I was just like, what, what would it be? Like, what, how would different would it be? And some of my friends here who are super conscious and super amazing people, they don't drink coffee. And I'm like, can I even do what they do? I don't know. <laughs> but uh, no, a cup of coffee is the first thing that comes to mind. Like a normal everyday thing. I would say like, is, is the sauna. The sauna is just like a normal everyday thing that brings me so much joy, man. Like it's insane. Well, what about you? How would you answer this? Hmm. cup of coffee is a, a very common one and it's, it's one for me too and i i drink my coffee black and Same. i've grown to love that it's yes. uh it's a delight it's a great way to start every morning yes 
me and my wife typically scratch each other's back when we were watching a show before bed every night. And that's a, just a wonderful, like, I think physical touch is something that's underrated in our culture. Definitely. And I, I feel, I take it for granted sometimes, but I really feel it on the days where we don't do it. Much like mm-hmm. if I don't meditate, I, I really feel a little groggy or a little more tired. So the, the physical touch of scratching each other's back, usually we cuddle before bed too for, you know, five, 10 minutes before I get too hot and then say, I got to get the fuck away. But <laughs> what are, what are some other, I usually read for at least 10 minutes. I love doing that. And I, I intermittent fast. I, I usually have a 16 to 18 hour window where I'm not eating. So I'm, I'm usually two meals a day. And the, before I have my first bite of food, I, I make the same giant salad basically every day. I, like today at about 12.30, I just set my timer for five minutes and I, I stood with my bowl like by the window. So I was getting some sunlight and like sniffed it in and was like really taking in the aroma. Like I put a lot of seasoning in the salad and the natural smell of all the whole foods is delicious. And on the best days, I, I think about all the different hands that contributed to the food being in my bowl, like all the people that went into production, the shipping, all the natural occurrences that led to it. So those are, you. thank you for asking. Those are, those are things that on the days where I'm really going through it, it's like, man, what a fucking blessing it is that I get to have like really nutritious, healthy, delicious food every single day. I, I try mm. not to take that for granted. It's beautiful. Mm. That really is. And I, I also think about the eye pencil is that is that what the YouTube video is called? Something about the pencil and the production of it, about how no single one person can create a pencil mm-hmm. and how it is only from so many different factories and mm-hmm. and different countries does a pencil come to be. And it's just like, it is fascinating to think about the ways in which we, like we are not operating in that we are operating in a greater system that almost becomes it itself it becomes conscious in a way like uh-huh. and, it, and it can't yeah dude that whole thing like blows my mind like i really don't have the words and we are both operating in one in these systems all the time mm-hmm. so it's, yeah it's a cool thing no i think about that a lot that's that's a whole other riff that we can go on just systems in terms of like how the hell are we especially when i'm in new york city like how are we collectively all operating functionally at all (laughs) there's just so many people on the planet and most of us are i mean there's a lot of things that i want to there's inequities and injustices but there's also so many ways that's like what a fucking miracle it is that we're all cooperating with each other and and i share your belief that people inherently are really good and want what's best for other people i I think that's a beautiful way to move through life yeah otherwise you just you're too scared all the time Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yes. full of fear like it's, it's not a, an optimal way to live from my perspective just in one's own mind uh-huh i'm with you man so besides you've you've presenced the artist way by julia cameron and you've presenced love yourself like your life depends on it what are if you had to gift maybe one or two other books or have gifted one or two other books to a lot of people yeah what what comes to mind for you a New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. 
and the surrender experiment are two of my most gifted mm. books by michael this? singer by michael singer yeah i mean talk about books that gave me new perspectives on life and and new joy and new connection to myself and the world around me and both of them gave me the understanding that everything that happens is exactly the way it is supposed to happen and it is the highest good or the highest thing that could have happened in that moment and to be comfortable and okay with whatever unfolds. Mm. To that end, do you have a, a difficulty, hardship-faced failure challenge that you've encountered that you now look at as a gift? I mean, just spending, you know, so much time drinking and gambling and all that stuff and like going down those rabbit holes i'm so happy for all the friends that i've had because of those experiences and those experiences themselves mm -hmm. so yeah i would look at that whole experience as a failure and a lack of consciousness but i'm also very grateful for it beautiful man what's something that you can't stop thinking about the banking collapse, man. Like, <laughs> honestly, that's all I can think about it. And we're in March of 2023. So hopefully we, this is resolved in a positive way by whenever this gets released. But honestly, that's been all the, that's been consuming my brain for the last 72 hours. Mm. What do you do when, when something like that happens? Like COVID, for example, like, like, how do you think about that? Yeah, I'm a, uh... If you look at conflict in general, so COVID is like a major, uh, we'll call it a conflict for lack of better way. It's a, an adversity, yeah, something that's right. really shifting my reality. I tend to be an avoidant person at first. So yeah. if you like, if you go through the five stages of grief <laughs> or whatever it is, it's like, I'm usually a denial at first. Like that's, everyone's overreacting. We got to chill. So <laughs> with COVID, I was, I really didn't take it seriously at first and until it had to be taken seriously. And, uh, you know, I, I would say after I, I confront the reality of, of something, I'm pretty good at saying, how can, like, what's my best way to be with this situation and letting go of all the other crap that's outside of my control. So a lot of my spiritual practices and, and really trusting that the universe is benevolent and, and operating in ways that are supporting all of our highest versions of ourselves and our, our highest growth. While I don't act that way in every single moment, I'm a human. I lash out all the time and I fuck up all the time, but I, I'm pretty good at getting to the, maybe a, an orienting question I have is, is what's the lesson that I can learn from this? Or what is the universe wanting from me right now? Something like that. I'm pretty good at, at facing things like that. So at what point, so give me your COVID journey. At what point <laughs> did you freak out? At what point did you, you ask that question? At what point were you avoiding it? Give yeah, me man. specific dates if you can. Mm, sure. If you're... My grandfather passed away on, I want to say, March 8th. And, and lockdown happened on March 14th, let's say. I'm, I'm definitely in, in, in 2020. So I'm in, the, I'm in the ballpark. So when my, my grandpa passed away, it was a few days later that we actually had people come over for what in Jewish tradition is sitting Shiva. And at that point, it wasn't full lockdown, but this is maybe three days before full lockdown. 
a lot of my family friends. So there's this already the weird thing of the people I most love and I'm closest with in a time where we need to be together. Some people were doing the, like the, the elbow Mm-hmm. touch thing and, or like get away from me. And so my, I think at that stage, I was in the more denial of like those guys knew I was having strong judgments of them is, is one way that I'm in denial. Like they, they're overreacting with their, whatever they're i can't believe how much they're in fear this this thing's not a big deal and and i heard other pundits like dave asprey who's like yeah, i have something do you know who dave asprey is Yeah, I've heard of him. I don't know. Very familiar. at that point i still listened to him a, a decent amount on, on his podcast and so he's one of the health people i turn to for like that's another response i have like what do the experts think about this thing because i i don't know what's going on so what what do they think and he was talking about if you got your nutrition in order and it's only like people that are really already susceptible to different health challenges that are going to be at risk here so like i'm gonna live my life normal and i'm gonna fly so i had that kind of righteous attitude myself because i was already eating healthy and exercising and like doing all the things And uh, as you might expect, that definitely rubs people the wrong way. If it's if it's just righteous and holier than thou, I would say we were also uh, the week of the weekend of the fourteenth. It was I think it was a Friday. We were supposed to go away. That continued into that weekend, where there were a bunch of people. We were all supposed to go away together, and let's say a group of fifteen to go to the Poconos. And I still was having strong judgments of like, I can't believe we're not going. This is, Wow. we're soft. Maybe three days later after that, it started to all hit me like, holy fuck, I can't even walk past someone on the New York City street without worrying that one of us might infect the other person. And, th- and there was some serious fear. So I think what happens after the denial is just allowing myself to feel the gravity of holy shit. Like a lot of people that I love can be really hurt by this. I could be really hurt by this. you can control only so many things. I I'm doing what I can for my health, but it doesn't mean that I am not vulnerable, that I'm not at risk in any way. And, and so from there, I'd say COVID in, in many ways that that March 17th or so, which is about exactly three years ago, it started to bring me to my knees in all of the ways that the universe and life is so chaotic. And like, how can I make peace with that? It's maybe a, something I'm continuing to explore now. So I, I, what I aspire to is to just notice at first that I'm in denial, allow myself to feel the fear, like shit, I'm in a lot of chaos right now. This is, but I'm okay. I'm okay. I have people that love me. And that, like, what are the things I can control? But then how can I be at peace with all the things that are out of my control? So that's, that's the long and short of how I respond. Like COVID is a great example. Well, yeah, I, I hope we don't have to go through that same journey in 2023, but it's a helpful way to think about the world and a, a helpful thing that I'll be reviewing personally as well. Yeah. And, and in the spirit of how you do anything is how you do everything. I mean, in, in very micro ways, that's how I respond to if say my wife leaves the dishes in the sink or something, Mm. I, I can start to like, I'll just fix this. I don't want to like, just tell her that I'm upset right now because it's stupid. It's just the dishes in the sink. And then I can really just own like, Oh no, I'm actually experiencing an emotion right now about this. Like, 
for some reason I'm experiencing anger, is there a way I can healthily state this? So instead of like denying the emotion, feel the emotion. And then how does the emotion want to be expressed? So it's like, it's a beautiful practice of just understanding how am I moving through my life? And like, how does this apply to other things that are happening in my life as well, big or small? Hell yeah, dude. Thank you so much for breaking that down. Super helpful. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Thanks for asking. That's, that's one of the gifts uh, that you bring to the table. So I, I have just, I think, two more questions for you, Danny. Is there something that you've about faced on recently, a, a belief that you've had that you changed your mind on or anything at all in the last six months that you're looking at in a different way than you'd had previously? I think I, I underestimated the extent to which where you live impacts the things you do or maybe even like how you do them. Like I'm just a completely different happiness level person, even though I'm doing the same things in Long Island versus Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. And just being surrounded by people who are also doing similar things is, is a helpful way to help that transition. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I changed my mind on that per se, but I just think I underestimated for a long time how impactful it could be to move environments. Yeah, man. It's, I think it's another thing that we drastically underestimate is the impact not only of the people around us, which has a massive impact and why sayings like you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with are so tried and true, but yeah, like the, the physical environment. And, and I don't think feng shui, for example, is some woo woo nonsense. I think that the way that we organize all of our spaces really impacts our energy. Definitely. Which is another th another thing that we spoke that me and Kat spoke about in our conversation too. So that's why she lives in Sedona. Yeah, it's it's a common thing. It's like, but I I, I think even though I knew that, I didn't know the extent to which it was true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's and now it, it really is more. I think a lot of experiences for me, there's one thing to un understand it intellectually, and it's another thing to actually experience it and embody it. So you're actually living it right now. Yes, absolutely. It's game so changer. The, the last question I'll, I'll link in the show notes to where people can connect with you. I'm, I'm going to make sure that we point out your amazing podcast, your Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all the places that you are consistently showing up. And, and I really admire the work that you're doing. So I'll make sure that I presence that I'll, I'll mention them in the intro to the show as well. And the final question that I ask in every interview, what does it mean to you, Danny, to live a meaningful life? To me, it means looking inward and following the call mm -hmm. of what the inward voice is saying. And yeah, I and and consistently acting on on the things I know I should be doing. Quote unquote should be doing. When I say should be doing, I mean the things that my inner voice says I should be doing. Mm -hmm. To me. That's what creates meaning. And often those things are not about me at all. If I'm really listening to the inner voice, they're about someone else, something else uh, greater than myself. And it's why it's hilarious that the podcast is named after me, but it's not about me at all. <laughs> right. So I think inherently we are finding meaning when we are doing things for other people mm -hmm. and 
for me, I found that the best way to do that is to listen to myself to find out which avenues or which ways I should be serving. So that that's what a meaningful life is, is for me at this current venture or junction in life. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm hearing undercurrents for sure of service and contribution. And, uh, sure. and I experience you to be a, a person who's really making a, a big impact in, in service contribution and in listening to your inner voice and, and following your inner callings. So I appreciate, Danny, all the time that you spent with me exploring who you are and, and how you're showing up to life in this conversation and, and all the ways that you're doing it outside of this conversation. Uh, I experience you to be someone who we didn't even get into this that much, but one of your maybe things that's important to you is like, you'll talk to a stranger and and really curiously ask them how they're doing. And I, I aspire to that in many ways, that the impact that every interaction you have, every piece of content that you're putting out and you equal parts take that really seriously, that every encounter that you have can make a really different, a really big difference and also hold it pretty lightly that it's, if, if it doesn't go the way I wanted it to or expected it to, that doesn't mean anything about me. And that, that hasn't been the case for me. So I, I look up to you in, in that way to maybe take life both really seriously and really lightly at the same time. So thanks again for being here, my friend. I, I really appreciate it. Well, I think that that summed it up better than I could have myself. So I appreciate that. And yeah, man, we all need to talk to strangers more. Yes, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. People are good. People are good people. And especially in New York, you get, you raise, you're raised in New York. You got like a layer that like it, it surrounds you so that no one else can get into that bubble and you judge people who are coming in and it's like, you know, dude, life is good. Life is good. Connect with people. Don't connect with people. Smile. It's all good. And I also like to say that my entire life is a podcast. Just sometimes it's recorded. So that, that takes off the pressure of each recording because it's no big deal, just the conversation. So uh, I, I, I wish you tremendous luck. Thank you so much for everything you've done here. All the research doesn't go unnoticed, all the thoughtful questions. Thank you, man. I really do appreciate it. You're very welcome. And uh, to all the listeners, I hope that you have a good rest of your day or evening. Send yourself some love, talk to a stranger, and take good care. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to Mike's Search for Meaning. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, share this episode with your friends, and leave a review. I look forward to seeing you next time, my friends. And until then, stay safe, stay well, and keep living with purpose. Peace.